All right, good morning. How's everyone today? Is this on? We good? All right. Hey, um, man, I, I listened to, we had an 8 o'clock service this morning, and Father Jason read the scriptures. I'm sure glad I'm not preaching from the gospel today. Like, that, that would be tough. So I'm actually going to preach from the Old Testament today. But before we start, uh, I just want to talk to you about something I'm really passionate about. So, oh, one more announcement. If there's kids here today, you guys can head out. You're still going to have class, even though I'm teaching. So you guys can head out now. All right. There you go. So um, something I'm really passionate about is sports. And uh, when I was five years old, I got to play Little League Baseball. And um, the team that I played for was the Orioles. It wasn't the Baltimore Orioles because I lived in Indianapolis at the time, but it was the Orioles. And so because I played for the Orioles, I started to love the team, the Baltimore Orioles. So I don't know if you know anything about the Baltimore Orioles, but they're in Baltimore. And they have, their colors are orange. So I, that's my favorite color. So I was like, every time I would open a pack of baseball cards or trade baseball cards or watch on TV, I always wanted to watch the Orioles. Now, the hard thing is it's hard to follow a losing team, right? It's, it's hard to get excited about a losing team. So for the last 20 years or so, the Orioles have been terrible. I mean, they're just awful. But this year... The Orioles were in first place the whole year. They were the best team in the American League East. They won the American League East, and they went to the playoffs. Isn't that awesome that your team gets to go to the playoffs? I know some of your Cub fans got to do that a few years ago, <laughs> but haven't experienced that that much. But check it out. So here's the Orioles. They're in the playoffs, and guess what happened? They lost three games in a row, and they're done. Okay? So isn't it crazy sometimes in life when we – uh, follow a winner, or we experience winning, or we experience something good, and then all of a sudden, it's terrible. You know, it just goes down the drain fast. And so what happens when life throws you those curveballs, where, where life is going good for a while, and then all of a sudden, it's not so good? Or maybe it's terrible, you know? Well, today we're going to look at a character in the Bible that experienced some of this up and down in life. You guys still with me? How many of you guys experienced some of that? Some good times and some bad times, right? Yeah, there's been some good times and bad times in life. But what do we do when we go through some of the bad times? You know, another uh, team that I rooted for, I'm a big Bears fan, so obviously a lot of bad times, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I also, my parents are from Buffalo, New York, and so we followed the Bills when I was in high school. Well, you know what happened to the Bills. The Bills went to... Buffalo Bills went to four Super Bowls, four Super Bowls, and lost all four Super Bowls, okay? <laughs> and so it's tough when you follow a team like that and go through life like that. And there's, uh, again, we're going to look at Moses, but before we turn in the Bible, let's talk about him a minute. So Moses experienced God in so many powerful ways. You know, in fact, if you look at him and the character of Moses, he's kind of like the golden child of the Bible. I mean, literally, he was born, and back in the day, the, the Israelite boys were being born very frequently, and so the Egyptians were worried that the Israelites were going to take over, and so they ended up started killing baby boys. Isn't that terrible? But guess what Moses' mom did? He took him, she took him and put him in a little 
little thing, you know. What was that? What was he put him in? Some kind of basket. A basket. Thank you, <laughs> Nina. And they put him in the river. Think about that. Would you put your child in a basket in the river? <laughs> but God was watching out for him. And guess who he landed in? Landed in the home of the princess. You know, the prince of Egypt. You guys saw the movie. You know what I mean? So he grew up as an Egyptian. He grew up royalty. I mean, the hand of God was all over this guy. And then he had a great life. And then what happened? It got a little south after a while because he ended up killing an Egyptian and had to run away for fear from his life. And he ended up living out in the, 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 the desert for a long time. But check out what happened after that. He met God in a burning bush. He, okay, so he floated down the river, met God in a burning bush, was delivered God's people from Egypt. So they were in Egypt, and he was the deliverer. And he used powerful things, powerful plagues to deliver them. He walked on dry ground through the Red Sea, and he, he beat on a rock, and water came out. You know, like God did miracle after miracle after miracle through Moses. You know, most of us today would say, man, I wish just one miracle would happen in my life, right? Well, I'm here to tell you today. Literally, if you're a follower of God, God's changed your life, you're a miracle. You're a living miracle sitting right here. But for most of us, we don't get to experience these powerful things. We don't go through these powerful things. And sometimes we go through tough things. And so Moses was about to experience one of the toughest things he's ever gone through. See, he was the leader of the Israelites. He was taking them to the promised land. Things were going good. And he went up to meet with God to get the Ten Commandments. You remember this story, right? So he's on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. Powerful things are happening. And he begins to walk down the mountain. And what does he see? All the Israelite people took all of their gold. And because he was taking too long at the drive-thru, I don't know, you know, he was taking too long. They got impatient. And they're like, we need to pick another God. We need to pick another leader. And so they took all their gold and they made a calf. They made an inanimate object and they started to worship that, that calf. You know, sounds kind of weird. But when Moses came down from the mountain and saw these people that he had given his life to love and serve and lead, not following God anymore, he was really upset. So what did he do? He took those Ten Commandments and he threw them down the ground and he basically, it was just crazy. Like all craziness happened after that. And literally, he didn't want to do it anymore. He didn't want to, to be the leader of the Israelites anymore. In fact, he, he left all the people and he camped outside of the camp. He took his tent and he said, I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm going to go and be by myself. And so if we find Moses right here in a pretty low time. So let's find out what happens to Moses. So turn your Bibles to Exodus 33, and I don't have the page number in your pew Bible, so if someone gets it, maybe you can shout it out, but Exodus 33 is where we're going to be today, and we're going to start in verse 12, and again, we find Moses in a little bit of a difficult time, okay? He's gone through some awesome things, but now he's struggling, so what happens? Verse 12 says this, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. 
Remember that this is a nation is your people. Remember that this nation is your people. So basically, here's Moses. He's having a pity party. But one good thing he says is, I want to know you. Let me read that scripture again. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. You know, that's the biggest thing God wants for all of us sitting in this room. He wants us to know him. He wants us to get to know him better. In fact, I hope today you've come to church not just to have some good coffee, which I'm sure some of you have had, or not just to have some great fellowship, but you're here today because you're like, I want to know God and know his will. That's why we seek him. That's why we come to church. You know, and it, it's interesting thing is it's not just a once a week thing, right? If we're true followers of Jesus, this is an everyday thing of following Jesus, trusting him with our lives, wanting to get to know him better. So how do we do that? How do we get to know him better? You know, there's a lot of ways we can do that. We can read our Bibles. We can pray. Those are the easy Sunday school answers. But I don't know about you, the times when I've got to know better, God, got to know God better are sometimes unusual th- times. In fact, I remember back in the day, there was a movement of men, and this is when I was just coming out of college, called the Promise Keepers. Do you guys remember that movement? All of a sudden, a bunch of men got together and they said, we want to know God better. We want to get closer to God. We want to be better husbands. We want to be better uh, dads. We just want to know God better. Anybody remember that time? So I remember going to an event at Soldier Field. And I must have been crazy because literally it was like 100 degrees out. And it was during the middle of the summer. But there, the place was packed. And there was men everywhere. And I remember singing this song. And, you know, they didn't have so much of a, They had a band, but not as cool as this. You guys, you guys are, you guys are rocking this morning. But they sang this kind of older hymn, which is interesting. I found out this morning, Jason sang this song like three weeks ago, okay? (laughs) Like, I was like, what in the world, you know? And so literally about a month ago, this song came back up to me, and I was like, wow, that was a really powerful time singing this song. And this is what the song says. It kind of goes along with this idea of knowing God. It says, the verse says, all I once hold dear built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. And this is the part that really gets me every time. And I'm going to try to sing it. It says, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. And it goes on and on. There is no greater thing to know God. And just picture it with thousands of men singing this song, and that's all you hear. There's no greater thing to know Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you, little tears came down my eyes, and then they had an altar call, and thousands of men went up forward. The the guy challenged us to know God better, you know, and I had this experience like, yes, I want to know God better. So I'm going to encourage you, first off here, if you have one prayer to pray today, or hear anything that God says to you today, or I say to you today, I encourage you to know God better, to get to know God better. And sometimes that happens at events, camp, you know, wherever you have to go to get to know God better. And I I hope that you come to church to get to know God better. 
But there's another part in this, uh, this song that I really like because I think it talks about um, the deepness of knowing God. It says, oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your suffering. So there's two different things there. He says, it says, I want to know you in your power. Now, how many guys would like to sign up for that? I want the power of God, or I want to know God's power. I want to see God's miracles in my life. Anybody here with me? You want that? Yes, I want that. Anyone would want that. But then it says, I want to know you in your suffering. How many people want that? <laughs> you know, think about suffering with Jesus, what he went through. Literally, he was beaten 39 times with a whip. It was called the cat and nine tails. And it said every time that it was whipped on his body, flesh would be ripped off of his body. So hanging on the cross was terrible, but think about being beaten like that. You know, that means we're asking God to suffer like he suffered. Why would we want to pray that? You know, it's interesting because Jason actually preached about this, Philippians 3, and I'm going to read this scripture because it really speaks to Paul. Paul wrote the book of Philippians. He was actually in prison at the time. And I don't know about you, but if I was in prison, what would I'd be doing, I'd be thinking about how to get out, you know. I would not be really liking being there. I would be, you know, praying all the time, God, why did you put me here? What did I do to deserve this, you know, type of prayers? But this is what Paul says while he's in prison. It says, but whoever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. So basically he's like, everything else in life is garbage compared to knowing God, to knowing Jesus. And then he says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, and having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And this is the prayer. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Wow, what a powerful prayer. He's like, I want to know God even in his sufferings, even to the point of death. How many of you are ready to pray that prayer? You know, but that's where... Moses is. He, he's like, I want to know you like that, God. You know, I've seen you work powerfully in my life, but I really want to know you. Don't you think God wants to answer that prayer? God wants to answer that prayer, so he does. Verse 14, it says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with me, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So here now, God, he says this, not only do I want to know you, but I want you to go with me. I want to know that whatever I'm doing is what you want me to do. How many of you have ever prayed that in your life? God, I will do whatever you want me to do. That's another scary prayer. That's another awesome prayer. God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I want to follow 
your will for my life. You know, in thinking about that, um, I prayed that prayer when I was in high school. I was playing football, tore my knee up playing football. I wanted to play football again. (laughs) And so I said, God, if you heal my knee, I'll do whatever you want me to do the rest of my life. Well, I'm here today because (laughs) I prayed that prayer, and I'm thankful that I'm here. But check this out. God honors those prayers. He wants us to get to know him, and he wants us to do his will. Well, part of that prayer is I ended up going to a Christian school, and I never, ever thought I'd go to a small little Christian school. But while I was there, I went on a missions trip to a neighborhood in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I was on that mission trip during my spring break. Isn't that crazy that someone would give up spring break to go on a missions trip? I, was, I didn't even know what I was doing. But a lot of my friends were like, you need to go. You need to experience this, Joe. And so I did it, one, because they told me to go, and another because I had to have a credit to graduate, okay? <laughs> so that's why I went on this mission trip. But I'm going to tell you, God changed my life because I saw a bunch of kids who didn't have great family lives run down from school every day to come to Bible club. Every day they'd run down from school, get excited about coming to Bible club. Now, how many of you, when you were in grade school, said, I can't wait to get to church, you know? I don't know about you, but my mom and dad had to drag me to church. And half the time, I'd fall asleep because it was some boring organ playing. Now, if you like organ, I'm sorry. But when I was growing up, I would fall asleep in church. In fact, my mom would look over and have to give me that elbow. Remember? Wake up, Joe, you know? And so for me to experience the the awesome presence of God or see people get excited about God, I didn't see that growing up. Like, I didn't see what we saw this morning in church when I grew up. And so to see these kids get excited about God, man, that was so awesome for me. And it was all because I believe because they didn't have much. You know, I heard about one of the girls who, whose mom was an alcoholic and she had to get her brothers and sisters ready for school. And that broke my heart. Psalm 1611 says this, you made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm going to tell you guys, growing up, I didn't experience that. I didn't experience that in church. The the joy, the fullness of joy. How many of you guys want to see the fullness of joy? I don't know about you, but that's like going on a roller coaster and being like, doing that all day, you know? Now, maybe you don't like roller coasters, but think about the joy you get from doing something that you love to do. Well, that's what God's presence is like. And these kids experienced it when they went to Bible club. And so from that, I was like, man, I don't know what they have, but I want what they have, you know? And so I explored more and more what it looked like to have God's fullness from his presence. So here's Moses, and he's crying out not only to know God, But he's like, I want to experience your presence. So in verse 17, look what happens. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. So those are pretty cool things that Moses asked for, right? He didn't ask for a brand new car. He didn't ask for a mansion. He didn't ask for the most beautiful wife. He asked for what? To be in the very presence of God. And so God answered it. He said, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So then Moses said, How sh- now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name. 
the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will show compassion on whom I will have compassion. But who, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see my face and live. So this was his prayer. I want your presence, but now I want to see your glory. God, I want to see you face to face. I want to see how awesome you are. So God's like, yeah, I'm going to show you my glory, but you can't see my face or you will die. Now, how many of you guys remember, and some of you guys may have never seen that. In fact, this year, me and Casey got to go see Indiana Jones. Anybody seen Indiana Jones? Now, the new one is not the best. It's okay. But I'm talking about the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anybody ever seen that movie? And so Indiana Jones goes looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, and they find it, and I'm not going to spoil the movie, but basically they open up the ark, and what happens? Everybody's face melts off. <laughs> if they're looking up, it's so disgusting. And I know it's Halloween right now, so I can talk about it, you know, but literally the faces of people melt off, you know, because they're in the presence of God, and they're like, you can't be in the presence of God or you're going to die right from this, right? Wow, Indiana Jones is... Is scripture, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but here's the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is God is holy, right? He's holy. He's pure. And so basically he said, because you're sinful, Moses, you can't experience me one-on-one -on -one the way you want to. So this is what happens. He asks for his presence, but he's like, I'm not going to be able to show you my face because you won't live. So how today can we experience God's presence? If we want to get close to God, if we want to know him more, how can we experience that? Well, 1 John 4, 12 through 21, there's a, a lot here on God's love. But there's a scripture right in the middle of 1 John that I believe is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, especially for his church. It says this, no one has ever seen God, okay? Raise your hand if you've seen God. You've seen him. Okay, good. We're right together. <laughs> no one has ever seen God. It says, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So what is this saying? If we want to see God here at Trinity, what do we have to do? We have to love each other. Ooh, that's kind of scary. No. no, it's exciting, right? Like, like, isn't that exciting? All we have to do is love each other. And I'm going to tell you something. I've already experienced it. Trinity, you're doing a great job of loving me and loving my family. I've been here for almost two years, and I'm going to tell you something. There are some, whenever somebody asks me about Trinity, what's God doing at Trinity? I just say, it's awesome because the people are awesome. We love each other well. And I'm going to tell you something. People that don't know God, when they see Christians loving each other, that's how they see him. That's what the Bible says here. His love is made com complete in us when we love each other. Let me just spell it out. When we love each other, God's presence comes. Amen? When we encourage each other, God's presence comes. So tonight, after about two years, we're going to try to get some of the young people together. And there's not a lot of us, right? There's not a lot of teenagers, right? But there are a few. And so we're going to get together tonight, and we're going to try to do just that. Try to love each other. And I'm going to encourage you. We love each other here on Sunday mornings. I encourage you, some of the older people, start finding groups of people that you can get together with and love each other more, right?
Because the more we love each other, the more God is going to come, right? And when God comes, people's lives are changed. So I want to encourage you, don't just love each other on Sunday mornings, right? Let's love each other all through the week. And maybe find someone else you can link up with and start loving each other. Going to lunch, going to dinner, going to coffee. You know, sharing your life with another people, person who loves Jesus. That's how God's going to show up. Okay, let's go on. Final verse that we're going to look at is verse 21. Then the Lord says, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When the, my glory passes by, I will put in you, put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand so you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. So basically he says, get ready, get ready, Moses, you're about to see me. But you're not going to see my front side. You're going to see my back side. <laughs> isn't, isn't that crazy? Like, you can't see my front side. But basically, what does this mean? It doesn't maybe necessarily really mean his, his butt, you know? <laughs> he didn't want to see God's butt. But he's going to see a part of the glory. He couldn't have all of the glory. He was going to just see part of the glory. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Part of the glory is enough, amen? Just a little bit of God's glory is enough. And that's basically what's going to show but it's the, the picture here is so awesome that he said even he's going to put his hand over him to protect him and keep him safe. How many of you have ever experienced that? God's hand on your life to protect you and keep you safe. I'm here to tell you God's with us in the good times, right, <laughs> in the bad times. But sometimes when he comes closest to us, it's been in, we're going through a tough time, right? And maybe right now you're going through a tough time. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel separated from somebody or one of your loved ones. I don't know. Maybe you're sick in your body. I'm here to tell you that God loves you and wants to come close. In fact, he wants so much to come close that he sent his own son to die for us, right? He didn't just stay in heaven. He just didn't stay on that mountain. He sent his son Jesus to come and be with us. Here's a couple of verses in closing that hopefully will encourage you today. John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image, from glory to glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. What does that mean? We don't have to go up to a mountain to experience God's presence. Jesus came here to be with us. And the more we get to know him in our personal relationship, he shows us his glory. Through the good times, through the bad times, through the exciting times. So Trinity, are you guys ready to experience God? Are you ready to have more of him? Well, let's pray this prayer. God, I want not only for you to know me, but I want to know your glory. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, God, for today. Each and every person here, God, has their own needs. They have their own frustrations. They have their own trials or, or even rough times, God. And Lord, I just pray your word today. In fact, we're going to proclaim it over people in a minute here, that your peace, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds, that your presence 
will fill us with peace. God, that we might know you more. And Jesus, I thank you, God, that you did come and suffer for us, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, in knowing you, God, we thank you, God, that we become more like you when we suffer, God. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for suffering for us. And thank you for bringing that suffering into our lives. Even though it's tough sometimes, we know that we become more like you when we suffer. And then finally, God, I pray that today for your glory. Lord Jesus, we are living in um, difficult times, to say the least, in our country, in our world. And right now we pause to say, God, we need your help. We need your help in this world. We need your help with our neighbors. We need your, your help in the times of war and, and all the things that are going on, God. We pray that you would bring peace. We pray that you would bring your glory so that people would see you and know you, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we don't know how much more time we have on this earth, but while we do, God, we pray for another great revival, Lord Jesus, that, that the churches would be full of not only you, but more people, Lord Jesus. We pray for that, that you would draw people to Trinity and the churches all over the quad cities in the world, God, that more people would experience your love and your glory. And God, today I just want to thank you for this place and the people here at Trinity, that they love people well and that you've used this church to love people well. And God, because of that, you've shown up, and I want to thank you for that. And so Jesus, as we continue in our worship, God, I pray that you would be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.